0: The life that God has called you to should look radically different than most. It's a very good thing to stand out and be different when what's setting you apart from the world is your love for the Lord. Don't be afraid to live a life in worship of Him. Don't be afraid to be holy. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Inadequate Catholic Podcast. My name is Olivia, and I'm so happy that you're here. Thank you for hanging out with me. So right after Christmas, we walk into this new season called the season of change, where we decide to make all these resolutions and plans and decisions on how we're going to better ourselves in the new year, or we set new goals or things we'd like to accomplish. And we pretty much look at our whole life up to this point, and we decide what we're going to toss out, what's going to stay, and what's going to walk with us into the new year. And we reflect on the last year, and we begin to make decisions on how we're going to choose to better ourselves and live differently. And a lot of that begins with that central question of who am I and what are the things that are important to me? And I love self-reflection questions like that because I think it gives us the opportunity to kind of inwardly focus and look at the areas of our lives that we can improve upon and we can really see clearly our shortcomings in the areas that we really need to work on in our lives. I think one of the most important things we forget to do is look at the people that we are planning to walk into the new year with. And I would argue that if you really want to know what kind of person you are, all you have to do is really just study the circle of company that you keep. There's an age-old saying, birds of a feather flock together. And that says not only a lot about you, but it says a lot about where you're actually headed in your life. So Jim Rohn, who is an entrepreneur and a motivational speaker, famously said, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And essentially, he follows this law of averages that that's the theory that says the result of any given situation can be determined based on the average of all of the outcomes. And if you're taking that into account, essentially, you can see how you are the sum of the five people in your direct circle of influence. Now, before we go any further in this, I think it's really important to note that we are built for relationships the first problem in history was literally that adam was lonely it is not good for man to be alone so a relationship was the answer to the world's very first problem but that being said we're also given very good guidance on how we're supposed to choose the people to be in relationship with but in our culture what's happened is we've become so inclusive that essentially our standards have been thrown out the door And it's become a detriment to the building of our character because we don't do a status check anymore about what a person brings to our lives. We just let everyone in. But our faith actually does a really great job of instructing us and guiding us on what kind of company to keep. Walk with the wise and you will become wise, but the companion of fools fares badly. Misfortune pursues sinners, but the just will be recompensed with good. That's Proverbs. Don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good morals. That's Corinthians. And perhaps the most famous that everyone refers to is, Do not be yoked with those who are different with unbelievers. For what partnership does righteousness and lawlessness have, or what fellowship does light with darkness have? Before we dive into that one, that doesn't necessarily give us the excuse to exclude people who are different from us. Rather, it just calls us to be selective in whom we look to for guidance or advice. We have to constantly be conscious of who's in our circle of influence, who is speaking what into our lives. And that analogy of being equally yoked is one that I tend to find, or I've heard it in my life when it comes to, you know, talking about dating or marriage or looking for a spouse. But I think it actually goes beyond that. And I think we don't credit that enough. It applies in all stages of our lives. And it's really important that even in our friendships, we yoke up with strong people, Now, because we aren't primarily farmers anymore, oftentimes this particular analogy tends to go over people's heads or they're kind of like, yeah, whatever, that's outdated and dumb. But I kind of did a little bit of research on it and I found something very interesting. So essentially when farming and harvesting fields were basically the norm, farmers, of course, would use oxen or other large animals to pull the plows through the fields, right? So they would generally pair up two animals that were fairly equal in size, weight, muscle mass, build, strength, endurance, and consequently, those two animals, because they were equally yoked, would pull the plow at the same speed and the fields would be plowed evenly. However, they found that if they paired up a weak ox with a strong one, what tended to happen was because one couldn't pull its weight, the plow wouldn't work at its peak capability, obviously, but instead of plowing a straight line, it would plow circles. So you know those times when you find yourself in the exact same situation over and over, and you can't seem to figure out why you haven't overcome or moved past the one specific hurdle that you seem to be struggling with? Well, look around and look at who you're yoked up with. So years ago, in high school, I was having a lot of trouble in my circle of friends, and I had ended multiple friendships, and every single year it seemed like I jumped to a new friend group. And finally, I confided in my sister about the trouble I was having and not finding a group of people that I really felt like I connected with. And she said to me, You know what? You keep finding yourself in the exact same situation. You have the same situation, you have different faces. And quite frankly, I'm tired of listening to it. So either make a change and choose differently or quit talking about it. Now, at the time, her words were obviously very hurtful, they were very direct, but she is that kind of person. She's very direct. And I could argue that her words in that moment were harsh, but I think now what I loved about them was that they actually just challenged me. She forced me to look around at the choices I was making, but more so who I was making them with. And it's not to say that these were bad people. It just meant that they were content in their position in life and they didn't want to move out of that comfort zone and allow themselves to be challenged or shaped or formed. Consequently, I wasn't changing as a person either. Rather, they were allowing me and encouraging me just to sit in the victimhood of my own life, and they weren't pulling me up because that meant that they would have to hold themselves more accountable and to a higher standard. And it's much easier to remain the same than it is to change. People never change until the pain level is high enough, and at that time in life, the pain level just wasn't high enough for anyone to make a difference. It's so much easier to pull someone down than pull someone up. So instead, they just allowed me to sit in my misery... And they kind of coddled me there. And they made excuses for me. And that kept me in a state of corrupted character. So we begin to settle and we begin to tolerate bad behavior. Not only in ourselves, but in others. And when we have corrupted character, that generally inhibits our ability to fulfill the missions that God has for us. Because he can't use us when we're not moving forward. So the most obvious question is, well, how do you obtain good character? Well, the answer is simple. You remove bad company. Are we cultivating a space for holiness and greatness? And how do the people in our lives fit into those spaces? What patterns are we seeing in our current relationships? What expectations do we have? As harsh as it sounds, you kind of have to take an inventory of all the people who are influencing your life. And if they're not contributing anything and they're just taking what you have, then quite honestly, they just have to go. So we have to start to set boundaries. And I will tell you that the only people who will ever be upset at your setting boundaries are the people who have benefited from you not having any. And that's okay. You should be around people who are smarter, holier, richer, kinder, more gentle, funnier than you. You should always have a space to grow. And if you are the smartest and holiest person in your circle, I'm sorry to tell you, it is time to get a new circle. So at the end of this year, I would encourage you, While you're setting yourself up for success, ask yourself, what company am I keeping? And are they helping me set myself up for success? And am I doing the same for them? And most importantly, are the people around you helping you to prepare yourself for what God has planned for you this year? And are you doing the same for them? Those are the people you should be around, the people who are encouraging you to seek greatness. And if after all this, you look at your circle and you say, I have not one person Who is helping me strive for greatness? Allow me to be the first to encourage you. Here's a really, really easy way to begin. Ask him what he wants from you and be brave. Merry Christmas, and I'll talk to you in the new year. I'm Olivia Palmer, and you've been listening to the Inadequate Catholic Podcast. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't already, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next time for another Inadequate Conversation, and thanks for listening. Deo gratia